Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did I tell you that we relaunched our TV podcast that is now called the Prestige TV Pod? We did it in time for Succession, which is launching in October. But there's so many good shows this fall. We got Yellowstone and Billions and Insecure. We have The Shrink Next Door. Is Mayor of Kingstown going to be good? We're going to be breaking all of it down. The morning show season finale. We are going to be here. Like, we're going to treat it like we treat the NBA playoffs. If there's a really good prestigious TV show, we're breaking it down in this feed. Check it out. The Prestige TV Pod from the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Chair. And I'm Michael Peters. We're your Sound Only hosts. Here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts this week about dragons. The general theme of this episode is dragons. It's just general, yeah, just dragons. Just mythical, fantasy, Large, overpowered creatures that are, you know, you know, we, we, we're 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 talking David versus David versus not Goliath, but dragons this week, basically. Yeah, it's um, in, in in multiple contexts. Micah, I'll I'll propose that we talk about the movie that you recommended that I watch. That I'm appreciative. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that second. Can you at least set up the movie that we'll be talking about later on? In this yeah, episode? sure. Um, <laughs> so, Reign of Fire uh, currently <laughs> um, is on YouTube free with ads. And the reason I know this is because somebody took a screenshot of Matthew McConaughey. Like, this, the scene, there's a still where Matthew McConaughey as this grizzled you know, vague, like a Western, just American caricature uh, called Van Zant that just constantly chews a cigar but never lights it, like throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. is pointing, like, in Christian Bale's face with a giant tooth that he has <laughs> on a necklace with, like, the widest eyes that you have ever seen. And like there's this and somebody I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was just like I remembered seeing that. And then I remembered how I saw the trailer on TV when I was younger. And the the, the only scene that I could remember from it was like Matthew McConaughey leaping off of a catwalk with an axe. At a dragon, you know, like into a dragon's mouth. Right. So that's, you know, 
this movie is basically just a reason to set up like crazy ass shots like that. Like Matthew McConaughey leaping into the mouth of a dragon with a giant fire axe. Christian Bale riding along molten rock with a horse or like on a horseback with a with a with a hunting rifle. Um crazy shit happens in this movie. But the 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 idea is that um random tunnelers, people that are putting in piping underneath London for something. I I don't know. They maybe they're just let's say they're building an aqueduct in present day London. And they do it like real road to Wigan Pier shit. Yeah. yeah. It's like you the know, little like boy. It's just, it's just like, you know, they got teams of people working in shifts, digging for some reason, you know? There's a hole and there's an obscure cavern behind it. Nobody can get in through the hole and there's like the the, the rock around it is too uh, thick to pierce with any drill bit that they have down there. And the only person that can get through there is this little kid who wanders through with a flashlight and discovers... Dun, dun, dun. Dragon. Dragon is in there. Dragon bursts out. Dragons then take over the world uh, via, you know, they, they explain this via like a Christian Bale voiceover. He's journaling, you know, back in time from, you know, now he's 30. At the time when the dragon broke out, he was like nine or something. Um, yeah, so Earth is enthralled of dragons. Humans are, you know, hard to find and they don't trust each other and they are fighting over what little they have what little resources they have um and it's 2020 ad also pressure in the movie yeah pressure no pressure wait also you know what okay up top we said we talk about this in the back half of the episode screw it let's just talk about this now second half we're talking about elden ring we will talk about elden ring let's just stay on rain of fire for now I knew this movie... Well, okay, this movie came out in 2002, right? I hadn't seen it. Uh, yeah. You yeah. text me about it. I go to YouTube. In the first 10 minutes of this movie, they do the thing that, I, I swear to God, movies don't do this anymore. And, like, you have to keep in mind, the lineup of this movie is, it's like, Butler, McConaughey, Bale, right? And yet, it's like, that's a, that's a lot of star power, but it's 2002. And so this movie has some kind of, like, sci-fantasy... USA Network vibes, and you know the montage in the beginning with the voiceover where they're explaining that like the thing that killed the dinosaurs, and it was actually dragons, and then the dragons. It was actually dragons that burned them to ash, and and then they got like the History Channel yes, grainy footage, yeah. and like they got they got like you know newspaper clippings that's like that do like the spin effect into like the foreground. Yeah. It don't make no, but Same. The, the, yeah. The specific moment I knew this got, movie they, was fire was like, is they do that kind of CG globe planet Earth that looks like shit. Oh and yeah, it's just like, oh this, yeah, this kind yeah. of movie. Okay, bet. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, kind of every movie like in two thousand eight was like about us versus the government, and <laughs> every movie since has sort of been about grifting in some yeah, fashion yeah. like every movie in the early 2000s was sneaky like a disaster film yep. like it's just this is just a it's Spear, that's that's all this armageddon is. yeah yeah you know it's what I'm in saying? that lineage it's, it's just in the armageddon kinda, lineage. Yeah. yeah yeah it's in the armageddon lineage like we are things people were just blithely you know living their lives blissfully unaware you know going around to the corner store to buy bread, then bam, everything is different. The world will never be the same. A lot of people die and there's not many of them left. And guess what? We have to fight an impossible thing to get any, uh, you know, version of normalcy back. Wait, can you, okay, can you explain, can you get into the, the I guess, rivalry, right, between the Christian Bale character and the McConaughey character. Because my fiance made the point of like, I was describing the movie to her, right? And she was like, oh, that casting sounds backwards. Because in the movie, it's like McConaughey's the hothead, 
he's the guy who's like, we got to fucking kill the dragons, man. Like, we got to. And it is incredible. Like, and as in, it, you know, is incredible in it because he's just having the time of his life. I've, I've never. This is the Christian Bale learned the Batman voice from Matthew he, McConaughey. Yo, yeah, he does it in this movie. He does it Christian, a lot Christian in this movie. Ba- yeah. He's just like, yeah. I'm trying to keep them alive. <laughs> I lead, you follow. Yeah, listen, yeah, listen, he Quinn, does that. Quinn, Quinn, <laughs> Quinn, 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 I want you to, I, I want you to take that horse. 1,500 pounds of horse meat, and I want you to leave that dragon straight to me. You bring her straight to me, you hear? Straight to me. It's just like, this is, that's, Matthew McConaughey, like, yes, absolutely. Christian Bale learned the Batman voice for Matthew McConaughey, who has the crazy, like, from the neck down, just tribal tattoos. Like, I mean, he is a walking, sleeveless, no fear, like a cut off, no fear tank top is 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 what he he's a walking sentient. Here comes freedom, ass motherfucker, right? Um, Christian Bale is sort of because he saw the dragons firsthand, had the first encounter before they took over the earth, and now we're enthralled to these things that only I truly understand. Um, is kind of like really intent on saving what he has. Like whoever he comes across in his immediate vicinity is just kind of like, come on in. We'll find a way to make it work. But don't like jeopardize the group. That's the only rule. Like, you know, and however else we figure it out amongst ourselves is fine. Um, But it actually does. And and then, okay. Like uh, Makane's character is you know, just American, right? Just big time. (laughs) Like, there's a problem. Let's go blow it up. And we were about to invade Iraq, Iraq, man. Let's take a straight line there also. No detours. Yeah, Yeah, that's basically, yeah. Um, That is Matthew McConaughey's character. Let's, (laughs) Let's go outside and bomb the pandemic. (laughs) It's <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's character. <laughs> Wait, can you explain that? Because, like, when you texted me, right, you specifically set this movie up to me as like, "Yo, this is the perfect." Because there's this movie. okay. Because <laughs> in the first, in the movie? first, in the yes, is yes, and, and I'd be like, because in the first half hour, in the first half hour, there is already this tragedy of the commons issue where this, you know, sort of grizzled. Uh, dad that's just basically all forehead is just like I gotta go outside the city walls to go harvest some shit because my kids are starving. I can't stay in here and wait for the next harvest just because we've got dragons flying around I'm gonna risk it. And Christian Bale's just like you absolutely can't go outside because if you do they're gonna kill you and then they're gonna trail your whatever all the way back to here and then they're gonna kill us all so you can't go outside. Yeah he shook. The whole movie um, shook. Yeah. Basically, it just it, there's this there's there is the the two like ideologues here are listen we can't stay inside anymore and staying inside is the only way to keep everybody safe. That's those are the two those are the two things that you have in the first half hour of the movie. It goes like that the way that you would expect, which is like that you can't keep everybody, especially you know prepossessing adults inside without like any sort of like there's no military presence like there's no force there's no any there's no way to actually keep anybody in other than like hey we all agreed yeah um and so when the guy when 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 dude leaves the fortress and goes into the the turnip patch and gets his entire family melted down to whatever and they then they lose the entire harvest and several vehicles and three men and but he survives and one of his kids survives and we and they still don't have any food and now nobody has any food you know so basically after that there is a scene where it's him and Christian Bale sitting across the table in the canteen and Bale is just kind of like, listen, nobody should have to go through what you went through. Father should never have to bury his kids, but I told you this was going to happen. 
And this other character is just like, you know, like I was, we're all going crazy. Who can, like, who, like, how are we supposed to do this? And how am I supposed to build a family, sustain a family, like inside without food? Yeah. This is like, yeah. these are, it's, it's a very, like, you know, it's on the nose, you know? And, and on top of that, this is happening. It's, it's, it says the fact that there is a, you know, a title crawl that says 2020 AD in the first, you know, half hour of this movie just kind of really tickled me. That was when I was just kind of like, you know, you probably need to watch this. Yeah, it's funny, too, because, like, I got into that movie and I was like, oh, this is doing the kind of. Like, I, I started thinking about Station Eleven all over again. I started thinking about Children of Men. But it's like, this movie is different in its sort of aspiration, right? It doesn't really have the highbrow aspiration of those things. Instead, it's like, it's kind of like we were saying about the George Bush thing of like, no, nah, this is a movie where M Matthew McConaughey bursts in the room and is like, no, nah, we got to kill the dragons. We got to bomb the pandemic. You know what I mean? And it's it has that yeah. 2000s it's, energy. It's, Movies don't have that energy. It just has... It has it has two thousands energy, but also like it it absolutely does not want to be smarter than it looks. Like it's yeah, a it's a it movie really that just accidentally yeah. it just accidentally has poignant stuff in it. Like there's it's a it's a movie that is specifically created for there to be a dragon hunting wingsuit where people like dive out of a helicopter to try to net a dragon in a Yo, scene. Yo, the wings like, it's like though, the CG for the wings. The wings. It was it was like it was bad. Like, it, was it was like the it was scene so, in the Batman where he jumps off the roof. It's it was so it's it's so ridiculous, but it's also just kind of like one of those things that starts happening and you're just like I swear I'm hallucinating. I know this isn't happening yeah. right now. Yeah, like but the movie's so dead ass. I, it's so dead ass. About it's everything. so serious. It's so it's so dead ass. But then also has like it's, you know, it's little jokes. Like the fact that Van Zant is, all by all like by all rights, I mean he looks what if he looks walks and talks insane. You know, and he's got the cigar that is down to a butt that he basically just chews like all the time and it's like he in place of chewing tobacco and he has this crazy vest like that has shearling in it it's bane's jacket with the sleeves cut off basically and this crazy beard and he's got his head shaved and his, he's like always kind of like on the verge of tears but like you know also you know, ready to sever your carotid artery at any given time. <laughs> but there's this bit at the very end of the movie where it's like there is we're down to our last three heroes, and it's a we're this is a suicide mission, but we got to do it because we got to save the rest of the earth. And he pulls out a flask that he's been swigging for the entire movie, and he's just like, "You're gonna need this." Passes it down the line. And everybody takes a swig out of it. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's taking a swig of it, and like Shorty in the middle takes a sip, like you know, and winces, right? And then Bale takes a sip, spits it out, and goes, "This is water." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, it's such a so great. Yes, that is good. <laughs> it's such a great joke. <laughs> it's such. Because this movie is so stupid. Yeah, it's so and it's, stupid. But it's so fantastic at the same time. Oh, <sighs> man. Like, thank you for this recommendation. It's on Rate of Fire. It's on YouTube. Uh, free with ads. <laughs> Random recommendation. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> prepare to have the spell broken by loud interjections of ready to get thunderstruck. <laughs> 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 um, oh man! Weirdly relevant to I I I got we gotta talk about Elden Ring a little bit. We'll take a break. We'll come back. I've played a lot more of the game than you, Micah, but we gotta talk about it after the break. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal. 
you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, bro. I, I, I'm deep into this game. You've only just started this game. Elden Ring. Correct. Elden Ring. Yes. From software. Yes. Makers uh -huh. of Dark Souls. Other yes. Souls. Bloodborne. Other other souls stuff. Sekiro. Yeah. Which you have played, right? Yeah. Sekiro. I have I have played Sekiro. I hadn't played yeah. any of these games. I had for a long time. I don't want to well, yeah, I guess I had avoided them uh just because of, you know, stylistically, they never looked like they were my bag. I got sucked into the hyper yeah. Elden Ring, right? I'm like, all right, bet. You know what it was? I finished building mm -hmm. this PC, this beautiful glowing RGB monstrosity on my desk right now. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let me, I should get Elden Ring. I want to like run some benchmarks. I, I, I'll, I'll play a little bit of Elden Ring. Bro. Bro. I really thought I would not be that into this. But the thing is like, I am at the end of the day, a dude who, who mostly like 90% of what I like about video games are just like a good boss fight. And this game. I mean, like, and the game gives you like four straight out of the gate. Like, I mean, like in any, in any, any direction, direction you go, in any direction you go. So you walk like, out of the tutorial like zone and you run into the tree sentinel. You work, <laughs> yeah. You walk out of the tutorial. Okay, man. All right. So listen, <laughs> I also got sucked into the hype of this game, mainly because I have been in this continuous loop <clears throat> for the last however many weeks this game has been out of being like, you know what, like off rip, fuck this game because <laughs> it is a From Software game and they have this gross tendency of throwing fuck yous at you every time that you begin to settle into the game and feel a little bit confident in yourself. Yeah. And I just didn't need an extra, you know, sort of... uh you know, stressor in my life like that. You know, like, why? I don't understand. And, and and additionally, everybody that's been talking about this game, it seems to split into, like, three camps. One saying it's the pinnacle of gaming achievement, um, you know, and it's the best thing ever made. You have to play it. You're going to regret for the rest of your life never having played this game. You know, what are you doing? Do not walk don't run, fly to the nearest <laughs> wherever and download it and blah, 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 blah. Then the second one is, the second one is like sort of casuals coming into the game and being yeah. like, and bouncing straight off of it. Oh, 
you know, being like, this is too fucking hard. I don't like it. I knew I wasn't going to like it. There's another group that's sort of like further divided into two camps, which is that like one, these games are hilarious choosing to process like it's just overwhelming difficulty as just kind of like this is just like you can't do anything but laugh yeah like yeah. at there the, are moments at where I'm the, like... the, the yeah and on the other side it's just sort of like those people that encounter those same roadblocks and then watch shit tons of tutorials and read a bunch of guides and then through making this you know their own sort of night course you know at a, like a like a school or something <laughs> have have decided that like you know that this is what they're going to dedicate themselves to and through grinding have become sort of good at the game and are just kind of like oh i understand the sense of accomplishment that you feel from finally killing this thing that has stomped you out 27 times um but rather than keep watching videos of like people saying the game is broken and things that like you know were ridiculous falling deaths or instant kills or whatever and listening to people tell me that it's the best thing ever made but also blah 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 i was just like you know what let me just buy this thing and start playing it and i mean like you know i get like i was settling like i've been playing it for like a little over two hours but the thing that you're talking about where you come straight at the tutorial area and run into the tree sentinel i think i might have died 12 times there before i decided to turn around and go out of the back of the castle but go around the back of the castle <laughs> yeah. from the start point which is like a is, is not like a thing that you could normally do in from software games like you bit they're, they're they're basically pretty linear you have to you know, bang your head into the wall until you finally burst through it, more or less. This one is just kind of like that tree sentinel is more or less put there to teach you that, like, listen, all right, if you've played these games before and you can do this, great. If you've never played these games before, it's meant to be like, hey, you can go do something else. You know, you can yeah. go somewhere else if you don't, if you, if you, if you don't, if you're, you know, having a tough time here. Thing is, though, you go somewhere else and you run into this giant, uh, bearded baboon thing with a, with a broadsword on its back, thumping around on the road that, you know, leads you to the beach, which is the other place that you could go. But there's some giant, uh, squiggly ball snake things you know just roaming around on the on the beach there that like you know have ridiculous broad sweeping attacks and then you know if you do sneak by them and go all the way down to the end of the beach there's this guy that's just kind of like sitting by the fire and if you sneak up on him you can get one good hit in but then he turns around and he's got a gigantic sword that's twice the size that you are and if you get hit by it once you die it's like if, if you take any enemy in this game, like not seriously, you're going to get punished. <laughs> yeah, like punishment. Like that's that's the vibe. Right. And again, it's like I this is the first of these games that I've played. And it's I don't know, man, it's the I love games that are kind of about difficulty. Like I'm a huge fan of Spike. I like the what feels like the basic premise of these games, which is like video game developers taking revenge against every other video game where like the player is OP, you know, where the player has all the advantage where it's basically like, look, if you sit and play the game, you're, you're going to win. Right. It's just like, do you win in 10 hours or 15 hours or 20 hours or 25 hours? Right. These games are like the Shin Megami Tensei games. Right. Those are about kind of, making it so that Actively the enemies have the advantage. You. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like, like, I like that, though. I like it. I, there is... You know what it is? It's like, there is... Because there's another thing that makes the game difficult, which is that you can't really... Like, platforming is incredibly hard because it's not like you can climb, either. Like, you have to jump from rock yeah. to rock to get to a higher place, or you have to walk. 
or you know like eventually i, I assume that you get a mount somewhere down yeah. the line that lets yeah. you jump up stuff or whatever but when you're starting out like if you come across a cave like i did it, you can't really go in there until you have a torch which you have to find from a different merchant which you need to sneak behind the tree sentinel to get then you go back to the cave and you go down there and then when you drop into the hole you get sworn by a group of grunts and the thing is that like the grunts are incredibly smart in this game and that they they group together when they're weak yeah and like they, they set you together up. When they're they weak. set you up. And they yeah. set you they group together and they set you up when they're when they're weak. Like there's no like there's no way to change the difficulty and they're very smart about the way that they do it. They do it the way that you would do it if you were weak and had to kill an overpowered character, basically. Yeah. Like they swarm you and one of them slashes you to break your stance, and then the other one hits you with a shield, and the third one hits you with the sword, and then the first one, which gives the other one the first one time to recover. And then he hits you with the shield and they basically just go down and like they don't let up until you clear them out like with a heavy attack or whatever. At which point, like you can basically stop their attacks with yours if you time them right. But it's just like, yo, you're going to get ate up the first time that you drop down there because you don't expect it to happen. Wait, what are you playing as, by the way? Like what's your bill? I'm an astrologer, so I'm doing magic stuff. I'm a confessor. Okay. Um, I, 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 Faith versus. I'm a confessor, and I and then I named my character Solomon Kane. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Um, yeah, man. Like that, a lot of that, things. That shitty feeling in the beginning, where you're just like, you could drop into the lowest level dungeon, and you're still gonna get wrecked by the combination of traps. People cartwheeling out in front of you and stabbing you. Also, people jumping on you from the ceiling. Also, anytime that you feel like you got a handle on it, you're like, you round a corner in that in that in that yeah. same cave, and there's grunts, and there's one demi. There's this giant demi human thing, which I can only describe as like a giant nutria on grasshopper legs, um, which like you know can cover long distances and like has really fast broad attacks like a lot of the enemies in this game yeah. a lot of the mini bosses in this game and you know you're taken out but you call it you summon up you know your knight friend and he's taking care of, he's holding the grunts for you and taking on one of the demi humans and you're just kind of sweeping around and picking things off and then you feel like you got it like you know just kind of keeping your distance and then another one comes out of nowhere and stomps you from behind and that's the, like that's the kind of things that you can expect from this game you're gonna get attacked from behind a lot like you, there's a lot of jump scares and that like you know I thought I had this because I was fighting something in front of me because I locked onto that but there's another thing that I didn't know about that's coming out of nowhere that can also kill me with two hits yeah, I I feel like you're you might be a ways off from getting to Margit, who's like the first real boss. Like I had to work up to it. I had to just sort of take my lumps in those dungeons, keep getting attacked from behind, keep accidentally stepping on the traps that shoot arrows into you, beat some of the lower level like sub bosses basically before I went to that first castle and fought Margit, who's like the real kind of nut up boss. Um, mm -hmm. and I thought that boss fight was okay, but it's like some of the later one. Though I, the last one I did, I I don't remember the names of most of these bosses. It's it's Astel, the natural born killer, or whatever his name is. He's like a dragon. Yeah, you know what? That that's another thing. That's that's another thing. Is that man? Nobody knows what the fuck you're supposed to be doing in this game, you know, actually. Like, broadly. I mean, like, plot-wise. Do you know where around. it is you're supposed to be you going? Like, what is supposed to, like, I mean, but I mean, like, in terms of, like, if you were starting and you hadn't read anything about this game, mm -hmm. like, if you start, like, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, like we talked about, or Sifu, like we talked about, yeah. or... You know, any of the recent games we talked about, within the first five minutes, you basically know what the what the deal is. You know, like, what it yeah. is that you're like, fighting, is what it going. is. Yeah. This is where we're going. Like, 
you get like this crazy, you know, uh, cinematic at the beginning of this thing with a bunch of still images and lore and like, like, I mean, yo, there's no, like, there's no connection in between any of the things that happened. What the fuck is he talking about, dog? Like, there's like, what is I'm like, all right, I mean, where is he? Bring him out. The loathsome dung eater. Yeah, it's just Bring like, and something the all knowing. <laughs> and it's just like, and it's like, get it building in intensity and like, as if I should know who these people are. Like, and that as if they have any like relation or to each other, as if there's any consistent internal logic in the, in the sentences that have been said in the last you, two You know minutes. what it is? It's like the logic of it is very like, Somehow Palpatine returned is what it feels like. Ex- yeah, it's ex- exactly, it's exactly what it feels it's like. like. Whoa, what's going hey on man, here, yo, some stuff happened, and you know, it's basically just we got you a MacGuffin so that you could, so that we could put a bunch of really crazy ass bosses all over a map, and we don't have Which to explain how they're connected to I, each I'm other. I'm not mad at that. I, I, that's all I, I needed, right? It's funny too, because like that that's the thing about the FromSoft games is I I always just sort of thought of it, not just the aesthetics and the, the sort of visual grammar of it, but high fantasy. It's just never been my thing. And I really thought that if I was gonna bounce off of this game, it would be because of that. But I actually think that once you start meeting the proper bosses of the game. I actually do think this game does a really good job with its lore. I think specifically, like, I'm thinking of, um, this is one boss fight, Star Scourge Radhan, which is, like, the most, one of the most amazing boss fights I've ever done in a video game. Like, it's nuts. It's it's what, it, it does the specific thing that I think a good boss fight has to do, which is, like, it puts you in a situation where, like, the beginning of the battle, you're just sitting there, and you're like, I can't, I cannot believe this game expects me to do this. Because you're like sitting the entire map across from this boss who can like snipe you from 700 miles away. And you're just sitting there like, I have to close distance somehow and not die in this space. And I have to get up on this person. And like, what am I supposed to do? And then you bang your head against the wall for however long. And then you did it. You know what I mean? And it's 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 such a huge spectacle, and it feels impossible until it's not. I mean, like, I think that there is a like a bit of like it takes some getting used to, like the clunkiness and underpowered nature of your character. Like yeah. when you start out, like you're not smooth at all. Like yeah. when you start out, like as a Whatever you are in whatever class, like your attacks and your combos and the stuff you can do is not impressive. Like, I mean, there is, I think I was talking about the, the before, like the last, I was just like, I don't understand why I wouldn't just play Shadow, Shadow of War again. Like the Middle Earth thing, which is also about rings, but it makes sense because, you know, like there's a, there's a whole setup for this and, you know, the one ring there's a there's a there's a you know it's we know we understand we get it whatever but you start out the beginning of the game able to stealth attack and like you know basically kill anything if you like just mash the buttons enough and also enemies wind up their attacks a lot like they'll come from across the map swinging their clubs like ah and then a (laughs) giant triangle appears above their head and like and it's there for three seconds you know allowing you to press it and parry and you know like there's no reason that you should take any damage in the game really if you I mean, like, if you just are good at, if you think about timing at all in Shadow of War, yeah. like, it's, you can, you can finish it, like, easy, quickly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, with this, it's like, you really, all of the enemies have varied 
like the timing of like the way that you're supposed to like when you're supposed to block and how you can parry and how you can counter is all important obviously but it's also so difficult to get the timing down because it's so so specific like arpeggiated and so specific and so randomized that like you can die several times in the tutorial area fighting the things that die if you hit them once just because they have like this weird like lolling straight lunge thing that covers a really long distance and then like they'll whip the sword or like it's just like there's a very like strange like rhythm that you have to figure out for even like the 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 lowest enemies in this game well it's what you're it's what you were saying before though about what we were both saying before about um this is a game where the enemies have the advantage that you would have in any other game right and so it's like yeah what you're describing is the fact that you get baited hard in this game like enemies abuse your sense of like oh i need to know the timing and so they'll they'll faint you constantly and you're, you're like constantly second guessing whether you rolled or dodged too early or whether you messed up that parry it's like it's such a head game like this is such a head game and i love it i really love this game i don't know i i don't know that i'm gonna go and play the other FromSoft games immediately after playing this especially because i feel like what am i i guess i'm 28 hours into elden ring and i feel like i still have like 75 hours left it just feels like that big of a game um I don't know. Well, okay, to your point, though, about timing, right? I've never played Shadow of War, but I feel like you could say a similar thing about Sifu, right? Like, which we were talking about in this podcast, yeah, right? Like, yeah. that's a game where... Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and this is actually a point of contrast I draw, right? Because I beat Sifu right before starting Elden Ring. And, yeah, I remember I was, I was like, texting you constantly in frustration. I was like, oh, man, I feel like I'm so bad at the the timings and then you get to the yang fight the final fight of sifu and i found it kind of anticlimactic right because that i think they, like they disable the focus bar right that it they disable your special attacks that you would normally be able to use but then that fight weirdly becomes entirely about parrying right because like if you parry him you can't really damage him that much but if you parry him you break his structure right and then that fight becomes this really straightforward kind of, oh, just get this one parry timing down, the fight's over. And it's like the final boss fight of the game. And I think that, like, I liked Sifu a lot, but that that definitely feels like a more shallow system, ultimately, because you can do that, right? Because you can say that, like, yeah, the the parry windows are constant really across all bosses in that game right there isn't that super fussiness there isn't that sense of like the enemies are so smart that they're constantly baiting you into mistakes um and yeah i like and it. also like i mean like there's the other thing is that like there's no way looking at something like looking at something from a distance that you can tell how it's going to move before you get up on it. Yeah. In Elden Ring. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Like I like if something could be moving really, really slowly, just kind of like plodding along or even just like sludging along the ground. And then like you get up on it and it's like, you know, the thing about like how crocodiles move 80 miles an hour over like 20 feet. Yeah. Like it's like, it's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like I ain't never seen nothing like that. Like it's just like, where did this come from? <laughs> that's How actually, did you get here? The, that's the, <laughs> that's like the best part of the Star Scourge Red Hand fight. It's like you start that fight at range, but once you close in on it, he's like this big fat dude, and you've seen him in a cutscene before, just sort of dragging himself through the desert. But then when you get up on him, he starts moving like a psychopath, and he's just like running around this arena, and you're like, I was not. I was not prepared for this. I was just not prepared for this character to move in this way. And yeah, it's like you're always you're always being like wrong footed in this game in a way that again, it's just I I I like it. I I feel like I deserve it. After years of playing the games that are basically just cutscenes where you press X to win, it's like, yeah, it is nice playing a game that has contempt for me. You know? 
Like, I respect that. As a hater, I respect that. I respect Miyazaki's <laughs> vision, you know? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, like, I like it's just like, I, and I, to, to your point, I mean, I did put the, like, I downloaded it before I played it. I was just like, you know, I could either go see the Uncharted movie which I heard is really bad, or I can just play the latest Uncharted game because, like, I haven't played it yet. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do the latter. And, you know, like, it's cool because, like, it's just, like, it's really just, like, you're watching a movie and you platform in between and, like, you know, there's auto-lock aiming and you basically regenerate your health if you go into the bushes for three seconds. So, like, there's not really much to stop you from completing the game in, like, four hours. We um, have a question then. I have a question then that's on a tangent, but it's about Uncharted, which is... and I, I've never played any of the Uncharted games. My question is, why don't you just play Tomb Raider? I don't... That's what I don't get about Uncharted. Is It's just Tomb Raider if you put, like, a Joss Whedon-ified character in the role of Lara Croft. Just go play Rise of the Tomb Raider. That shit is fire. Yeah, well... Um... I already had the Uncharted Legacy Pack, so... I was just like, oh, this is in my library. Um, I'll just re-download this, and I haven't played the second one in it, so I'll do that. And... Yeah, like, it was incredibly, like, I mean, it's just really, like, it's a game where the only thing that you really need to worry about is how, like, when, how can I use this special weapon that's that's kind of hard to find that one of these soldiers, the game is a really, like, <laughs> I'm glad you said Joss Whedon because there's the scene in Angel where him and Angel and Spike are standing outside of a tree about to fight like a horde of like a horde of vampires and they're running towards them and it's just the two of them and the the vampires all run out holding swords and Angel turns to Spike and he's just like oh look good they brought us weapons that's that's basically what Uncharted is is like it's a bunch of scores of paramilitary troopers running out to give you weapons you 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 sneak attack one. You pick up an RPG. You shoot at a helicopter. You blow up an APC because it has C4 in it. And then you're just like, oh, one of these guys had a Desert Eagle. What does this do? And it's just like, oh, I can actually shoot out the tires. It's just, it's really not like, a, it's not a varied experience. So like, yeah, it is a thing when you come to Elden Ring, and you see the giant walking around that just kind of like walks by you until you slash its ankle and then it stomps you out. Well, that's right when there. you fucked up. You slashed his ankle for no <laughs> yeah. reason. He, I, he I, did not I, attack I, you first. Hey, man. Like, I'm just saying. Like, this is... It's different. It's mad different is all I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's I fair. like it yet. I'm not saying that I was wrong before. I'm saying that I'm going to see what happens. You know, okay. That's it. That's that's fair. We'll watch some YouTube I am stuff. I am curious what what FromSoft stuff people. If I were to play another FromSoft game after Elden Ring, which people would recommend? Because, but again, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be with this game. I think for a while longer because it doesn't really feel like it's close to the end at all. Um, I've definitely had some boss experiences where I was like, "All right, that's enough." I, the fucking Renata Adler boss fight, the fucking Astral Natural Born Killer. I think those are the only two so far that I've been like, this is, this is, this is bullshit. I'm getting killed off camera. I, I don't, I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, but to your point about the directionlessness, like again, I, maybe it's just that I, I need that sense of, it, it does feel like the Breath of the Wild thing, right? Where it's like, yes, it's directionless, it's aimless, and it makes it so that if you're in a specific headspace where you want a video game where you kind of just dissociate and only really sort of snap into cognitive focus to overcome a particular boss, you know? Like, that's, that's kind of the experience of it. It's like you go back and forth between being very acutely frustrated and just zoning out as you try to figure out the next thing you're doing or respec or, you know, track down items and shit, you know? It's a lot like life in that okay. way. All right. You know? Enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners, feel free to email us about Elden Ring, about Rain of Fire, soundonlypod at gmail.com. Uh, seriously, like, I, I would love to hear people's thoughts about From Software, Dark Souls, Bloodborne. That sh- like, Bloodborne is the one where I always looked at it and I was just like, this is just, what, what is, what is this? It's just dark. Everything <laughs> is just dark and shit. Like, I don't want to spend several hours of my life just staring at a fucking bloody rocks. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe, maybe again, like this game, this game got me, man. Elden Ring got me. So clearly I've been missing out on something. So email us listeners again, soundonlypod at gmail.com. Mikey, you got anything else? Nah, man. I, I, I don't have anything else, man. Uh, Stick with it. You stick with that shit. You're the, you're the veteran shit. I'm I'm new to this. We talk about veteran. I like again. Like I didn't even like the like I like I. It was a trance. It, you know what? It's exactly what you're talking about. Like liking you can't like a from software. Game. That's not true. <laughs> you can't. Like you're you're li- like it. No, you're like no. I'm no. You motherfuckers are lying to yourselves. You can't like a so- from software game. It's different. It's a, it's 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 more specific and weirder and deeper than that. You literally because it's like a game that just rolls up on you and then it just starts to frustrate you and then you can't put it down. That's that's basically what happens. It's just like, nah, this thing isn't gonna this is I'm going to assert dominance over you. Thing. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah, it just shows yeah. up and start starts emasculating you and then a hundred hours. Yeah, it just later, starts, shows walk. up and st- yeah, shows up and backhands you across the face. Throws his glove on the ground. And you're like, all right. You, this is you ch- puffing your chest out at me, then, is it? All right. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> um, I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peter. Shouts out to our producers, Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.